0: Visit carp.ca.
1: Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review. All things Zoomer, worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. Canada's first lady of the guitar, Leona Boyd, talks to us about her new memoir and the inspiration behind her new music. Plus, the economy is going gangbusters, but when it comes to personal finances, not so much. Nearly half of Canadians live paycheck to paycheck, and many who no longer collect a paycheck are still in debt. We'll talk to Laurie Campbell, CEO of Credit Canada Debt Solutions. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. According to aging experts at the Mayo Clinic, there's a new classification of drugs called senolytic drugs that will be able to delay or even prevent chronic conditions like diabetes, cardiovascular disease, cancer, dementia, arthritis, osteoporosis, and frailty. These senolytic drugs clear senescent cells which accumulate in the body and increase chronic illnesses. The drugs target the senolytic cells while leaving normal cells unaffected. They've been tested on animals successfully, and the next step is to see if they work in humans. Hurricane Harvey wreaked havoc in Texas this past week, but thanks to social media, 18 seniors were rescued from an assisted living facility that was hit hard with flooding. A viral photo showing them trapped in a room with several feet of flood water was tweeted out and actually saved them. Emergency management officers rescued the residents shortly after the photo went viral. Barbara Streisand and Oprah Winfrey will headline a one-hour telethon to benefit Hurricane Harvey victims on Tuesday, September 12th. The star-studded telethon will include live and taped messages from George Clooney, Dennis Quaid, and Julia Roberts. The big event will air on multiple networks and be live-streamed on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. 88-year-old renowned architect Frank Gehry, a Canadian, isn't slowing down anytime soon. He signed on to design a new museum in Massachusetts, which will be called the Extreme Model Railroad and Contemporary Architecture Museum, and will feature model trains and architectural gems from around the world. It's set to open sometime in 2020. I'm Libby Snymer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world.
2: Lightfoot, Lightfoot, your song will live forevermore. Lightfoot, Lightfoot, our Canadian troubadour.
1: That's Canada's first lady of the guitar singing one of her new songs. When a debilitating condition prevented her from playing the complex pieces she's famous for, Leona Boyd opted to reinvent herself rather than give up music. Now she has a new memoir, No Remedy for Love. We talked about how she turned adversity into a new opportunity. So, Leona, what made you want to write this book?
2: Well, I've always loved writing, as as you probably know, and my last autobiography in My Own Key, My Life in Love and Music, came out in 1998, and my life had changed considerably, so I just wanted to tell my story and share the behind the scenes of how I did uh, five records since coming back to Canada, and what made me come back, and, and you know, all, all the ups and downs of life.
1: This is a story of uh, reinvention and the good and the bad that goes with it.
2: Yes, and I wanted to be an example to Zoomers and Boomers, and I know you're a wonderful example because you've been down and got up and done amazing things, and, uh, and we're all part of that you know, generation that uh, has, has challenges, and yet we want to keep going and still contribute and do something creative and help the world in some way. Well, I was happily married, but I just never really fit the mold of a Beverly Hills wife, and I knew that, and I tell the story how I went back to Mexico, and the, my heartstrings were so attached to the year we used to live in Mexico, and it sort of rekindled a whole love affair with the language, with Spanish, with the Latin music, and it kind of took me on a, a Camino Latino, which is the name of one of the albums I did, which means a Latin journey. And um, there were all kinds of factors at play. I was suffering kind of in a despair because I knew my hands weren't performing the same way. And at first I thought it was something physical. Then I realized afterwards it was nothing physical at all. It was just through practice. Some musicians can get something called musician's vocal dystonia. Anyway, looking back, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. I quit for a few years. I ended up getting divorced because my husband was a little bit jealous of the guitar. <laughs> he always thought there were three of us in the marriage and wanted me to stop. And you know when you're an artist and the instrument is almost like an extension of your body, you just can't imagine quitting. And I tell the story in the book, uh, you know, how difficult it was for me. But in the end I slowly retrained my fingers. And I learned to sing, and I started becoming a songwriter. And I wanted to come out and tell my story, because thousands of musicians have this happen to them, even the conductor of the Toronto Symphony. He had to become a conductor. He couldn't play his violin anymore.
1: What made you move back
2: to Canada? A lot of reasons. I got myself entangled in a what I call a, almost like a crime movie down in Miami, all kinds of C D characters and people that stole from me. And my father was also not in good health, So I moved two places at once. I got a house in Palm Beach, and I also got a condo in Toronto. I just loved music so much. I wanted to try anything possible to preserve the music and to write the songs and to seek out people that you know, could help me and, and accompany us. I had three different accompanists. Now I have a, a young 26-year-old, Andrew Dolson, who is absolutely wonderful, and we're getting all the uh, tours together. I'm doing a Christmas tour. I have a concert in Toronto here on the 25th, Trinity St. Paul's, and at the end of October um, in the Kingsway area. It'll all be on my website.
1: What would you like people to take away from your book?
2: that it's never too late to reinvent yourself. Don't give up. I guess I got that from my parents. Life isn't always a bowl of cherries. Um, I want to bring beauty and music and beautiful songs and poetic songs. I'm not a, a, a diva. I don't have any um, pretense. I have this a, a fantastic voice, but I love to tell stories. I love meeting my audience afterwards. And people remember me all these years. They've grown up with my albums. And now all the albums, of course, you can get on iTunes.
1: Thank you so much, Leona Boyd. Thank you, Libby. That was five-time Juno Award winner Leona Boyd. You can read an excerpt of her book, No Remedy for Love, in the September issue of Zoomer magazine. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. If you're a Zoomer and you find yourself in debt, you'll want to stay tuned for some valuable tips on how to become financially healthy
3: again.
0: You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit
1: carp.ca. This week, a new survey found a third of Canadians feel overwhelmed by debt. And Zoomers are increasing their debt loads at a much faster pace than the rest of the population. As of the summer, the average Ontario senior owed nearly $21,000 excluding mortgage debt. I talked to Laurie Campbell, CEO of Credit Canada Debt Solutions. Laurie Campbell, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. Okay, so nearly half of all Canadians live paycheck to paycheck. Is that a surprise?
4: Not at all, considering the debt level sitting at, a, you know, at least $1. sixty-seven for every dollar a Canadian makes. It's no surprise that without, you know, many Canadians are on the brink, really, of mismanaging or having financial difficulties.
1: So, 40% of workers admit they spend all or more of their net pay each week, and a quarter would not be able to scrounge up $2,000 if they had an emergency.
4: Right. So what that tells us, Libby, is that the savings rates are very low, people do not have emergency funds in place, and people are going to have to rely on further use of credit should there be an emergency in their life. And, and, you know, truly, there is a tap out at some point with debt levels being the way they are, and credit cards will, again, come into the foreplay of an increased burden on these individuals if they find themselves in this type of difficulty.
1: How does it play out in, in our society? Well, you know, surprisingly, bankruptcies are not high right now. I mean,
4: they're steady, but there hasn't been any significant increase. And another surprising factor in all of this is delinquencies are quite low. So people have been relying on credit, no doubt, but they've been managing to make their minimum payments at least or maintain their financial obligations. What concerns me is the fact that there's no emergency cushion. If there's an economic downturn, it's going to be very, very problematic for individuals. We just saw another rate hike. What's the impact of that? We still don't know. And we
1: obviously see no cushion for these people. How much will consumer rates go up and how is that going to increase people's debt burden? Well, if we see a a quarter percent rate hike, as we've just
4: seen, we know that the last rate hike we saw housing market dip. If the housing market continues to dip and people are perhaps in a situation where they have to sell their homes, they may be looking at a loss on their home or a reduced, you know, realization of what they thought they would get, translate that into a large mortgage and they may not be able to perhaps pay out that mortgage fully. So that's one problem. A second problem is they may not even be able to sell their home. They're going to continue to rely on further credit to maintain a lifestyle they really can't afford. And, you know, I found very surprising in this report was that 26% of people just thought that, you know, they just need to earn more. They didn't see their responsibility in this and perhaps spending less
1: to manage their finances. It seems that even beyond the time that people are working, they're taking on more debt these days. What does that mean?
4: Well, what that's telling us is that individuals that are perhaps retiring are not able to meet their financial commitments in retirement, meaning perhaps they retired too soon, or they're spending beyond their means or did not plan out their retirement the way they thought it would be. We know that there's a lot of adult children living with their retired parents at this stage, and they may also be bringing their own children home to live with the parents. That's an extra financial burden. Retired individuals that are trying to get back into the workforce are finding it increasingly difficult to get back in if they need to, and we see this a lot at Credit Canada. What we're definitely seeing, though, is that retired is being delayed for individuals because, oh my goodness, this report tells us that a disturbing number of individuals feel that they cannot retire or they've had to delay the retirement significantly because of this debt load that they're carrying. So without a doubt, that tells us that the situation is definitely getting worse. Um, I think there's been a bit of a a shift in mentality. Last generation or a generation before that even, individuals bought a home, they had a mortgage, They got rid of that mortgage. They retired. And what we're seeing more and more of now is that people buy a home. They have a mortgage. They start to pay down that mortgage. The mortgage has some equity in it. They get a HELOC or home equity line of credit to do renovations. They get themselves back into debt retirement's delayed, or they're retiring, perhaps even with a mortgage. They have their adult children that may have to move home because they've had a job loss or a separation, or divorce, or some financial difficulty in their own lives, and that puts even a bigger burden on that retired individual.
1: Is the bottom line that people are just relying on their homes too much as a cash cow? Without a doubt, I think that one of the things people
4: fail to recognize is they probably want to live in their homes as long as they can. Some people think, well, you know, I'm going to sell it when I retire and downsize anyway. So even if I do have a mortgage, it's not going to be a big deal. I'll be able to realize some capital when I do sell the home. But study after study shows that individuals want to stay in their home. And it's becoming more difficult to do that with a large mortgage on a home, a very fixed income, that to satisfy all their expenses, and with inflation increasing, and we see mortgage rates now increasing, this is going to be more problematic for these individuals. So what they try to do, a lot of people, is they think, okay, well, I'll get back into the workforce, I'll get a part-time job just to help make ends meet. But the unfortunate reality is it's very difficult once you've retired to get back into the workforce.
1: For people who are still earning money but find themselves living paycheck to paycheck, what do you recommend?
4: Well, the one thing I recommend, Libby, is that people do their own financial stress tests. And what I mean by that is they need to really sit down and figure out where they are today financially. A lot of times, people don't even know where they're at. So they may not relate to a study that says that a large percentage of individuals can't come up with $2,000. They may not see that as them, but when they actually start doing the math, they realize they're in that category. So people need to take a look at their budget, their expenses, what they have for an emergency, and how they're managing their debt. And I consider debt to be enemy number one. So if they have high interest debt, get rid of it. Stop using those cards. Cut back on your expenses. Do not uh, fall into the trap of thinking if I only earn more money, uh, my situation will be better. Because the reality is, unless you get a part-time job or unless you are able to increase your income substantially, you're stuck in this situation. So you have to work with the with the income that you have. Start cutting back on expenses and putting as much towards that high interest debt as possible, and then save for an emergency fund. What do you say to people who say, I just can't? that I'd say come and see us. You know, we've been around for 50 years. We're a charity. We're a not-for-profit organization. We help individuals that are struggling financially to look at ways to manage their debt, to find out options that are available to them so they can actually move forward uh, in a way that they may have not thought about before. We see a lot of Zoomers in our office, and often it may mean that they need to really cut back on their expenses or maybe move to a cheaper location. It may mean that they need to get back to the workforce. We mentioned that. even though it's very difficult or sell out assets. It may be a bankruptcy or a consumer proposal, but until they actually sit down with a professional, it's hard to know what those options might be and what they can consider in order to get themselves out of the situation.
1: Okay. Anything else you'd like to tell us about that?
4: Well one thing I will say, Libby, is a lot of people wait too long to talk about their finances, especially Zoomers, because it's a it's a matter of pride and, and people work hard their whole lives and it's a hard thing to say, gee, I've found myself in financial difficulty. And what I would suggest to people is to to talk about it with somebody sooner rather than later. Go to a credible source. Do not be sucked into something online that tells you they, that your credit or your debt can be fixed instantaneously. That's not the case. Go to a credible source like Credit Canada. Get the right
1: options and get the right advice to move forward. Okay, Lori Campbell, thanks so much. Thank you. That was Lori Campbell, CEO of Credit Canada Debt Solutions. Coming up, he was called the king of soul, but left us much too soon. We pay homage to Otis Redding and his timeless tunes.
0: You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today visit carp.ca.
1: Welcome back to the Zoomer Weekend Review. I'm Libby Zneimer. It's time for your international arts date book tips for those of you who are jetting around the
3: world. Here's Jane Brown. Most people know her as an activist and a folk singer. 76-year-old Joan Baez is also a painter. Her first solo exhibition, called Mischief Makers, features her images of legendary people like Martin Luther King Jr., Malala Yousafzai, and Bob Dylan. It's on now at the Seeger Grey Gallery in the San Francisco Bay Area. An exhibition of prints by Norwegian master Edvard Munch is called Colour in Context. It's on now at the National Gallery of Art in Washington, D.C. The village of Lavenham in Suffolk, England, is considered the best-preserved medieval village in all of England. It's also home to the 14th-century cottage used as the fictitious birthplace of Harry Potter. And while it's up for sale, it's open for tours. And the Canterbury Museum in Christchurch, New Zealand is hosting an exhibit called Postcards to Antarctica. It's designed to transport you to Scott Base and celebrate Antarctica's significance to science and humanity. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Book. This weekend marks the 76th anniversary of the birth of the great
1: soul singer Otis Redding. He was born on September 9th, 1941. Sadly, his life was cut short at just 26 years old. On December 10th, 1967, his Beechcraft tour plane was caught in heavy rain and fog. The pilot radioed for an emergency landing, but shortly after the plane crashed into Lake Monona, Wisconsin. During his short career... Otis's big voice made him a legend. It helped define the soul sound of the 60s, and the impact he had on the genre earned him the nickname the King of Soul. Otis Redding had huge hits with songs like Respect and Try a Little Tenderness, but his most popular song was recorded just three days before the tragic plane crash that claimed his life. It would go on to be the first posthumously released single to reach the top of the Billboard charts. Here it is, Sittin' on the Dock of the Bay. The The great Otis Redding with Sittin' on the Dock of the Bay. This weekend marks the 76th anniversary of his birth. And that brings us to the end of another edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Zneimer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide.
0: You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. Produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer, Moses Zneimer. Produced by Michelle Saunders, Paul Thomas, and Andre Lowy. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review. Heard every Sunday at noon on... This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network. Home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air,